Yo, it's Mendo, and you're listening to the Outlaws Outpost Podcast. It's game time, heroes. Welcome to the Outlaws Outpost. Welcome, 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 heroes, to the Outlaws Outpost, your unofficial guide to the best Overwatch League team. Brought to you by the Surly Nerd Podcast and the official Houston Outlaws supporter group in Austin, the Lone Star Vanguard. I'm your host, James, and with me this week, we have Hector. Howdy. Here to talk all things Outlaws. Uh, Tony's out this week. He's not going to be able to participate in the Outlaws discussion. However, he will be around. For those of you watching the live stream at home, uh, for the big E3 news that we're going to be doing immediately after the Outlaws Outpost. Okay, so for those of you new to the show, what the heck is the Outlaws Outpost? Well, it just so happens that our favorite Overwatch League team in is, Overwatch League team is the Houston Outlaws, and we have way too much to say about them, and so here we are, ready to chat and debate all things Outlaws. This week on the show, we're going to be talking about weeks three and four of stage four, and our player of the cast that we're going to be talking about this week is going to be Rockus. Now, before that all happens, let's recap where we were. So we start stage four with a bang. Linkser goes pure god mode all over London and Boston. The whole team is operating like a well-oiled machine. It felt like stage one all over again. Week two was a whole nother matter, though. Both the Gladiators and the Shock put up a hell of a fight, and they both managed to defeat us in the end. It was it was a rough week, I gotta say. Week two of the week, three, yeah, week two. Uh, I guess technically week four. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah, so yeah, we're in stage four with weeks one and two, and stage and week two just was it was brutal. Like the gladiators yeah. and the shock both, and I mean we we went to game I think map five with the gladiators, but yeah, just still wasn't enough. They I mean, the the the, gladi- the the teams that are beating us are taking advantage of our greatest weakness they're really beating us on the area control maps and area control point it's just not our strongest point Mm -hmm. and that perfectly exemplified by what we did to london in week one Mm -hmm. uh king uh king's row it's a very fast moving map you're constantly moving except for the first point right now it i mean it takes us a second always to capture the first point but after that we're unstoppable yeah we just steamroll yeah yeah so all right so now we're going to kind of get into week three. So I'd like to start things off saying that we played both the Shanghai Dragons and the Florida Mayhem on week three. And typically that would just mean that I would say, well, you know how that went, GG's. But well, what the actual fuck happened against Shanghai is oh, the question. Oh, man. I missed that game. I, I, I didn't think I needed to watch it, and I was watching, like, Westworld or something. I was <laughs> like, I'll watch Shanghai later. And then I hear you, like, you need to watch that game. And I was like, why? Did we, like, embarrass them super bad? I hope <laughs> not. I, I feel bad for Shanghai at this point. You, and you're like, no, no, that's <laughs> not what happened. You need it to was, watch this game. It was insane. Like, Dia's Widowmaker just wrecks the outlaws on King's Row. And King's Row is a map that we typically dominate, even against teams like Boston and New York. And yet we found ourselves struggling against Shanghai. It was absolutely crazy. Yeah, super crazy. Yeah, so we're sitting there. We're going up against uh, Shanghai and now keep in mind that like the Shanghai Dragons are not a bad team. 
I mean, even if they're like the worst in the league, you're uh-huh. still a professional sports team. Yeah, right? they're, a prof- mean, they're a professional Overwatch team. Right. I mean, they, they would obviously beat me in a fight. <laughs> right. Like, I wouldn't want to go up against any of the members of the Shanghai Dragons. No. It was just really weird to see them performing as well as they did. Right. I mean, we stick right about the middle of the pack. And, uh, you know, did pretty much since uh, 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 season one or whatever we're calling it. Uh, but that they, I mean, they're the worst team by a lot. And they, they just, and they, 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 were, they were right with us step by step on and on. Okay. So, I honestly didn't really know what to think of this first map. Like, Shanghai holds us back on point A until it's damn near overtime. We get two of three points on King's Row. And I'm not going to lie, I was getting pretty freaking worried when I saw that. Yeah, I mean, it's Shanghai. Like, imagine being the first team to lose to Shanghai. Like, no right? one's going to live that down. <laughs> Florida wouldn't live that down. They're I, Florida. Exactly. So then everything kind of goes back to normal as we hold Shanghai back on point A. I was starting to breathe a sigh of relief again. Everything's right with the world. We can all breathe. But then after that, we go to Hanamura, which is one of our weaker maps. Mm -hmm. And just steamroll through point A, take point B with almost six minutes banked. The dragons get both points, but they only have a minute banked. But then they come in after map reset, take A again, and I'm like, damn it. Like, yeah. When the fuck did Shanghai just suddenly show up to this? Yeah. Like, it's absolutely insane. And then here's the, the fucked up part. We had six minutes banked. We can't take B. We go, <laughs> we get a draw on Hanamura against we, Shanghai. We drew against Shanghai. Yeah. Even on Hanamura. Like, like you said, it's not our best map. It, it's right. actually one of our worst. But still, though. And I mean, like I'm saying, I'm not trying to insult Shanghai because Shanghai is obviously a very technically proficient team that's only been getting better as the Overwatch League has been going yeah, on. Yeah, and their fan base is fucking adorable. They, exactly. they, they're they probably the loudest cheering, most like effervescent like fans. You can see them in the crowd at the Overwatch Stadium. They're great. Yeah, I mean, I think they rank right up there with, honestly, like Houston Outlaw fans. You see them, you know, at the... Uh, at the actual event that mm-hmm. everybody's decked out. I mean, this was Shanghai day yeah. that they were putting on for the Shanghai dragons when this match is going on. So that should have been a sign right there that things might've started going South. True that. So after halftime, we kind of walk all over Shanghai on Li Zhang on the first map. They do push us to a map three and then pushing us to a map three, by the way, I'm kind of just a mess of emotions at this point. It goes, yeah. it goes from to 99% to 99%. And the dragons are putting up a hell of a fight. We ultimately take it. But honestly, this is not the Shanghai that we've ever seen before. No. And maybe they were super jazzed. Maybe their coach gave him a big old speech about how, you know, maybe Houston's a team we beat. Or, you know, even if it wasn't personal, maybe today, today you give it your all. You know, right. I like to think that there was like some Rudy style speech going on in the back for the Shanghai Dragons. And that's what made them bring all their gusto. Right. It, and it's possible. So, yeah, we do end up finally taking down Shanghai. And then next up, we play Florida. Now, Florida is one of the bottom tier teams. Yes. Right. We were, we were expected to have an easier week because we had these two. Yeah. And in Florida, again, not to be laughed at, they're yeah. a, a decent team with they a lot of personality. have been improving through yes. the season. You can see the improvement in Florida. It's mm-hmm. really impressive. But we have Florida to thank for the goofy walk-ons. Florida yeah. did it first. Yeah. Like, we wouldn't have all the goofy walk-ons if it wasn't for Florida. It's true. So, 
we take Blizzard World without a whole lot of issue, and then we go into Horizon Lunar Colony. And this match, by the way, if you go back and watch the replays of this match, it doesn't even go to points on the map. Mm. It literally goes down to ticks on point A between Florida and Houston. And Florida just had more ticks on point A than we did, and they end up taking that map. Yep. It was ridiculous. And after we go into that, we go into to Oasis. And we managed to take Oasis pretty easily. Mm -hmm. We brought the score to 2-1, right? And our final map against Florida is in Gibraltar, and it goes to map reset. Ooh. Now, I want to kind of state it for the record here. We brought in Arhan for this, Mm -hmm. for this map. And I really did find myself thinking, like, is this a good idea? Like, obviously, Arhan needs more time on stage. Yeah. And he does need more time playing with the team. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of see the mentality here. Like, it's Florida. It's Shanghai. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's time to bring in Arhan when you're not against the more difficult opponents. Let him play. I mean, he's an unknown, which can be good for element of surprise. And he is... um I mean, you got to let him play sometime. Right, you have to. And this is a good opportunity, to be honest. I mean, like, Spree got to play in, like, you know, set one. But then he was on the bench for two sets. Yeah, but but it's it's Spree, though. Spree's amazing. True, he is. (laughs) And Arhan is amazing, too. He just hasn't had enough time to kind of get accustomed to the group. So I see the coach's mentality to be like, well, it's against Florida. Now's the time to bring in Arhan. Mm -hmm. Like, he's really good. Um, But at the same time, us playing Florida on Gibraltar, like there were times that I was so nervous about us losing that I was like, holy crap. Um, like, are we going to be able to survive like the Florida assault? Basically, yeah. like Arhan was doing good and he was popping off. But like when it goes to map reset and Gibraltar does fairly often, to be fair. Yeah. Like, it's, if, if one team isn't completely dominated, then they're both probably going to finish the map and uh, it, it probably is going to reset. Yeah. So. Was it a risk to bring Arhan in? I think so, but it did ultimately pay off. Pay off, and like his Genji did wreck some shop in there. Yeah, but it came down to like overtime to beat Florida, and I was like, man, we can't be taking these kind of risks right now. Yeah, Houston, no kidding. Houston's already been having too many problems in the Overwatch League, so that takes us to Week Four. Now, Week Four is kind of a big one because we have the Dallas Fuel and the LA Valiant. So we open things up with the Texas showdown, right? Houston versus Dallas. And by this point in the Overwatch League, we've won every Texas showdown. Yeah, of course. Right. But Dallas, like we've been saying about Shanghai, like we've been saying about Florida, Dallas has really been stepping up their game. Mm -hmm. Like it's insane how much Dallas has changed in the last three weeks. They've had a lot to overcome. They've had a a bad reputation and, you know, a struggling roster because, I mean, but most of the people who have left the Overwatch League have been from the Dallas. Dallas. Yeah, yeah it's, it's crazy. So, I mean, I was confident because we had been beating Dallas. But at the same time, there was that thought in the back of my head, like, is this where we lose to Dallas finally? Like, th- does this finally happen? Like, yeah, we're having a good stage four. But, like, Dallas is improving. And they were thought to be one of the best teams at the very beginning of the Overwatch League. Mm-hmm. Before all the drama, before all the mess, it was a pretty big deal. So Dallas scores two points on King's Row, but we live on King's Row. Yeah, apparently, absolutely. Unless you're against Shanghai, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> right? But here's the kicker. 
Jake busts out his doom fist of all things to get the final point. Oh, and I love when stuff like that happens. Any surprise picks are just like my love, my yeah. bread and butter. If someone like surprise May, surprise Bastion is still my favorite because no one ever expects well, Bastion. Su- surprise Torb happened that one time. Yeah, surprise Torb is wonderful. <laughs> but yeah, it, when you like when you're playing the game and you're in the meta and you think you can predict what's happening and then you get punched against a wall in one shot by Doomfist and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, like where did that even come from? That is the best. I wish I had that like (laughs) clip in slow motion and like the camera face reaction of the guy who got murdered by it. Right, yeah. Definitely it's the the whole meme in this house like we love and support Jake's Doomfist because him busting that out was just so good. But here's the thing. We go to Hanamura after that and like we were just talking about Hanamura, not one of our strongest. And Dallas completely just pops off on Hanamura. Yeah. Like, Taimu's Widow was just something to be in awe of. Yeah. Fucking OG's Rhine, he's getting kills left and right. And we know we're not the strongest on Hanamura, but we're trying. Mm -hmm. Dallas banks over six minutes in their clock after the first point take. Yeah. We get both points to force a map reset, but we've only got 2.30 on the clock. Yep. Just by the numbers, it looks like we're going to lose this map. And Dallas just wipes us mm-hmm. on point A. Yeah, and like, they, were, they were out of point A in like under a minute. Yeah. Now we manage to kind of like hang in there. And if you go back and watch the replay of this, it's amazing because we are literally holding point A for six full minutes. Yep. It goes to overtime like Dallas eventually breaks through Mm -hmm. but that's literally by the numbers of the fact that they were managed to get enough ults saved up that they could just expend all their ults exactly forcefully take the position and they tried a few times don't forget like in six minutes they attacked us probably uh, I don't know nine times right so I mean they had already tried a full ult build up and we repelled it it's the second time they did it that they got like one too many kills it was a really good placement for that ult you know yeah I mean it came down to you know them busting out like a Zarya or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were they were having to expend a lot. I think they had a diva play somewhere in there right at the end. Basically, all the big heavy hitting alts went off just to like make room so that they could get in there and get one tick. Yeah. So it was a little like it was tense for me because here I was again going, man, maybe this is the maybe this is the time. Yeah. Like I get it. I'm an Outlaws fan for life. Right. But like, but I, sometimes they lose. Yeah. Sometimes they lose. And right now we just can't. We, I keep saying this, but no, we literally cannot afford to lose right now. We yeah. have the playoffs on the line. We are right here. We are. It's like the difference between six seat and seven seat, and we just keep going back and forth. Right. And yeah. So next up is Li Zhang, and Siegel's Ferris shows up, and just things start to go in Dallas's favor. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know what it is about Farah that the outlaws have a little bit of difficulty with mm-hmm. it's it's been a consistent thing we'll come back to that here in a second when we talk about the uh the mm-hmm. la game so like yeah i mean just seagulls like <sighs> the ferris shows up things start going in dallas's favor they take the first point and it's all it's completely on us for points b and c but linkser comes out as mccree and at that point Dallas can't hang. Yep. Like Linkser's McCree just. Uh, that McCree switch really surprised me too. I don't think I'd seen Linkser play a lot of McCree in the past. It's, it's very you know, situational for Widow him. or nothing. And because you kind of, you, you imagine a lot of the time, when is a McCree better than a Widow? And it turned out right this moment. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And we needed this win. We needed this win against Dallas. Mm-hmm. Getting this, taking them down here, having Linkser switch off to the McCree to take on right. the Farah. 
all of these were were very strong tactical decisions that that netted us the win mm-hmm. against Dallas. Because why is this so important? Because we had to go up against LA after this. And we yeah. knew, we knew that was going to be a problem. But like we go up against LA, right? This is our final match for for this podcast episode. And that's against the Valiant. And don't get me wrong. I know the Valiant is a strong team. Mm-hmm. I had confidence going into this match, though, because the Valiant are good, but they're not unbeatable. No, no, no. You know, so things open up on Blizzard World, right? We managed to get two points, no problem. Mm-hmm. But then we have a struggle at point three. Yeah, and it was like halfway in between. Right. And so we see Agility's Brigitte. We see Soon's Widow. And before we go any further about this match and, and kind of where it goes... I really feel like we as Outlaws fans are really supportive of the meta right now in the Overwatch League. I love the meta right because, now. Because it favors us, right? Mm-hmm. It definitely favors us. That's this right. whole like tanks, multiple supports. Mm-hmm. Like we are really like it's stage one all over again. For right. Us, right. And, and it's, well, it's a thing when you're a support player or a tank player and uh, personally like in your own Overwatch life. And when you see your favorite character, your most played character, not represented in Overwatch League because it's not meta, right. it feels kind of bad. And it's not, you know, not for any personal reason, but also it feels like you can't really see what a pro would do with your character. Right. And I mean, everyone loves seeing what pros do with their character. Right. And we were locked into the the dive meta for so long. Right. right? And so it was refreshing to see that we're getting the heavier tank metas now. Mm-hmm. But the reason I bring that up is because... I really feel like LA is playing into the meta this stage, maybe more so than some of the other teams, like maybe like LA, Houston, I don't know, maybe New York. Um, But they were even kind of questionable about this new kind of heavier tank meta. Mm -hmm. And it really felt watching this match, like LA really practiced heavily with with that meta. Yeah. And so, yeah. So it goes over to LA, right? We're still on blizzard world. And, so we only get two points against LA. LA gets all three points after one hell of a fight on the third point. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it's not that much better on Hanamura. No. Like, we only get a single point on Hanamura. LA's defense just keeps us at bay. Agility is popping off rallies left and right. And all we can really even hope for is like a map five win if we can, if we can get there. Get there. Yeah. Like we pray to get there. So now we go to Oasis, and I personally feel like we struggle a bit. Yeah. Like, for whatever reason, it's just the map of Oasis does not seem to favor the outlaws. Right. It's the the, the dual, uh, c- the, the control point map where, you know, you fight for, you know, and you end up 99%, 99%. Those are the maps we drop most often. Right. And the other problem is what I was talking about earlier in this episode. Mm-hmm. Agility Sphera shows up, is in the air, and we can't stop it yep anytime you go back and watch the outlaws as amazing as their performances are as soon as a pharaoh seems to get into the air on oasis it's like we shut down yep it's 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 a hell to watch and yeah it was just we tried and we tried it was 99 to 99 but it's just not enough we can't outclass agility's pharaoh yeah right we lose the map and the series you know against la at the end of you know week four so I think it's kind of fair to ask, right? Like if we if we think about weeks three and four of the Overwatch League and the in the Houston Outlaws specifically, what do we think went right and what do we think went wrong? 
I think the biggest thing is the thing you just mentioned, the Farrah thing. I think we can be stubborn when it comes to Farrah because nobody wants to switch because, I mean, we probably have, like, a widow or some, you know, good damage-dealing potential. Right. And you're like, well, let's just take it out. But we don't. We always have to switch. And I think with a Farrah, because teams play counter to us so well, that if we switch one character... Mm-hmm. to counter a Farah, to say like to a Widow or to a McCree or even to a soldier, that they'll counter with something else to hunt down our, our Farah killer. Right. It's almost like we have to switch two characters, like maybe get a McCree and get a D.Va, something like that. Right. I, I, I can see that. And I, it's a big disruption of, you know, the plan we're already trying to carry out. It, it disrupts the plan that we're trying to carry out. It, it, it upsets the alt economy, mm-hmm. right? Really badly. Right? It screws up all of our positioning because we're having to change what kind of positioning and what footing we have depending on which hero are in play currently Mm -hmm. you know do you swap off to a obvious pick like a mccree or do you like i don't know roll out jake's doom fist and see if you could just like punch the hell out of her oh man you know i'm not saying that that's a a good option but i'd love to see it yeah it's it's not a good option by any stretch of the imagination but yeah it's just what went wrong man it's it's hard to say but going through and rewatching all of those games, I mean, it definitely felt like we needed to swap off a little bit more often because in the times that we did swap off, like to that Jake's Doomfist, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in one of the earlier matches, the results were immediately obvious. Yeah. Right. It felt like we engaged, we took them down because they were not expecting what was coming. Mm hmm. Um, so maybe a little bit faster swaps. We should feel a little bit more, maybe, we yeah. should, maybe we should have some more configurations in mind. That's maybe. not a bad idea. Like, like, uh, okay, we're going to swap to configuration B and that means like four character switches, but at least right, we come out right. with a strategy. Yeah. I'm thinking, uh, think of it almost in terms of like football plays, right? right? Mm-hmm. It's something that I've discussed with, with my teammates on the, on the team that I coach is having kind of a playbook yeah, and being able to, you know, between maps say we need to swap to like B, C, D, whatever. And having like the, the, the captain of the team at the time also know that playbook so that they can switch during the match. Yeah. Essentially. And I think that that's a, a, I don't know if anybody in the overwatch league does it. Uh, it's something that I've been toying around with the idea of, mm-hmm. and it might be something that would be very useful for the outlaws in this situation. Right. Right. Like during their downtime, they can practice configuration C or configuration D. Mm-hmm. We already know that they have commands for things like Texas hard, which means, you know, regroup. It's, right. a, it's a hard regroup. Mm-hmm. Just add some more. I hate to put it in these terms, uh, sportsy elements to it. Right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, keep a, a playbook of things like that. Um, so I guess what went right the obvious answer for that is like our week one went right mostly because we were playing a lower tiered team. But even then, come on, like we, we struggled against Shanghai a little bit. Yeah. And I, in my heart, I want to attribute that more to Shanghai than to the outlaws. Right. But I don't know. We'll see. I mean, Shanghai certainly hasn't won since then. So we'll, we'll see, you know, if we have a new Shanghai or if we just, just Maybe we underestimated I, that. I, I think a lot of it comes down to the changes that Shanghai has been making, mm-hmm. you know, in their roster, on their team, making sure that they're spending a lot more time together. We already hear in the in the time that we're not watching the Overwatch League how much Shanghai has been revving up their training, how much they've been working on being closer as uh, is, is kind of a community with one another, almost the way that the outlaws are. Yeah. You know, the way they're almost kind of like family. You know, they're all in it together because they are like the biggest loser of the Overwatch League right now. That's true. Everyone's probably, you know, everyone supports each other. Everyone's like, okay, you know, we'll do better. We can do better. Yeah. Every map's 
you know, it's not even every game. It's every map is this is the one that we could win. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, they took a map from us when they did play against us last That's true. week. So there's that. So the next question that we have to really kind of think about is, and I know that uh, at the time that we're recording this, uh, the outlaws are actually playing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, what do we need to change possibly going into this last week? Well, um, again, back to your first point, we need a, a hard, fair counter mm-hmm. because it's two teams already. That's really given us the business with a good Farah. Yeah. Um, and I think that maybe it's more than just a, a counter to a single character. Maybe it's the confidence to make the play. Right. Like, okay, I mean, let's three of us switch and then our problem's over. You Link, know, just the, the, the balls that, uh, to make the hard call. Yeah, Linkser said on several occasions that, you know, confidence does play a factor into how well he's performing. It definitely does. You yeah. know he had it against London. Yeah. So, like, we saw it, <clears throat> excuse me, we saw it against, like, London, but then seeing it, uh, him go against Boston, he even said in, you know, interviews, like, I had a little bit of a lack of confidence at that point, mm-hmm. and it showed. It, it showed, especially because he plays Widowmaker. Mm-hmm. And that's a character that you can very easily see, like... Oh, I mean, not only is it a very perishable skill, all that head clicking, but... I, yeah, you can get the yips like any sport where you have to yeah. throw a ball at a very specific point or a dart or an axe. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you do it the same way all the time, and sometimes you're just off. Yeah, that's very true. So that wraps up everything that we have for our Houston recap. But, of course, we have our player of the cast, our little getting-to-know-you section of the Outlaws. Uh, so here we go. This week, we are going to be talking about the man that the ladies and the men mm-hmm. all love. And that's Rockus. Oh, I love Rockus. So Rockus is a straight up Overwatch pro. He actually has played with a couple of teams prior to the Houston Outlaws. Um, actually, in those teams is where he met a lot of the other players from the Houston Outlaws. He met people like Spree. He met people like Fact Fiction. So when we say that the Outlaws are a family, again, a lot of them played together prior to being on the Outlaws. And it wasn't. Some of it's coincidence they ended up on the same team together, but also part of it's not. Yeah. Right? You know, like, if, you know, you're getting a team together and you got, you know, four or five guys and everyone's like, I know a guy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think that that does give them a very distinct advantage because Rockus is a support player. Mm. And as a support player in Overwatch, one of the things you rely on the most is having the trust of your teammates and you trusting them, mm-hmm. right? Because Rockets can do things like overextend on his Zenyatta, but he is in such he is such in sync with the other members of the team. They know that they need to get up, reposition, and help him with that overextension because he knows that he's going to be able to click ahead if he can move up. But it's going to require Muma being in front or Spree shielding him. Yeah, you know it's going to require everybody working together as a cohesive unit. And I think that that's one of the strengths of Rockus. Now, one of the other strengths of Rockus is that not only does he do, he doesn't just do magically do this on his own, right? Yeah, no, he is an amazing shot caller yes like if you ever mm-hmm. listen to the audio of raucous when they're on the field playing it is it's divine mm-hmm. like he's like you know calling out his discords he's yeah. making sure that everybody knows at all times like two three steps ahead he's like okay they're gonna do this here's how here's what we do right and he really is an off support player when you look at his mains i mean like he plays anna he plays Anyata. you know he leaves the main healing to like you know, Banny or something. Right. You know, but like he also has like a, fa- a character favorite in Sombra. That's one of his like top favorite. And we don't actually get to see his Sombra that often. Just like, every once in a while. It was a little bit meta right at the beginning of right. this, uh, of this section, but I mean, it, it's, it's faded away a bit, but I love good Sombra play. I Me wish too. I was good at Sombra. 
And I mean, like, Rockus brings so much to the Outlaws with his off-healer pa- uh, picks. I mean, like, he, he honestly does really shine on his Zenyatta. And I have to admit, and I know, again, us being an Outlaws podcast, it sounds like we're, that we're biased. Mm-hmm. But I think, really, he is one of the best Zenyattas in the league. I mean, yeah, you really absolutely. Look, mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you have, like, Jay Jonek and all them. But when you talk about top-tier Zenyatta play, like, you have to bring... Rockus's yeah. name to the oh, table for sure. I mean, he'll snipe. Uh, he'll snipe people out of the air. He'll. I mean, he'll. Any Zenyatta that can click the head of a uh, of a tracer mm-hmm. is, you know, that, that one of the tops. And Rockus does it like it's nothing. Yeah. All right. So that always brings us to our last question uh, for this section of the podcast, and that is, what is it about Rockus that we love so much? Uh, it's definitely the team spirit, and he kind of always. He's got this really avuncular quality, even though he's not very old. You see him in a group of the outlaws, and they all look like kids, and he kind of looks like... Like their camp counselor, almost. He's got this. Uh, he's not. He's not like the adult. No, the, like the guardian adult. But he's like the older teenager. Right. He kind of looks around and makes sure everyone's got their shit together. Everyone's in line. He's, he's everybody got water. Them. Everybody yeah. got food. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm responsible for these kids, but also, you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm kind of one of them. I yeah. can joke with them. I can hang out with them. They're a good time. Yeah, I'm gonna go out and play football with them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He, yeah, he does bring a lot of spirit to it. He brings a lot of personality. He was mm-hmm. one of the ones that was chosen to kind of go on the, uh, I think it was Good Morning America. Yeah, yeah, because he's got, like, this style that can't be denied. I mean, the hair and the, yeah, and the beard. Yeah, I was going to say style. He yeah. definitely has on lockdown. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, a, it's every time he comes in, like, in the Overwatch, you're just like, you know everybody's staring at him. Right. You just, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's it's funny he's so lighthearted, but at the same time it's so interesting to see this kind of weird juxtaposition of this very fun very light-hearted person coming in with the outlaws and then listening to him shot call because it, it's all business yeah he just he flicks that switch and it's all business mm-hmm. and then heads start popping all right that's everything that we have for the show this week thank you very much for sticking with us for this special episode of the outlaws outpost for those of you watching along at home on our stream uh we are going to be continuing the discussion with our big e3 news discussion on the surly nerd podcast but if you have anything you want to say about the outlaws to us please email us at info at the surly nerd.com you can also hit us up um at the surly nerd is our twitter we have a facebook page the surly nerd uh like share with your friends all that good stuff and uh if you're in the austin area ever please come to our watch parties we would love to meet fellow outlaws fans until next week heroes good night and good game (laughs) 